My name is Damon Wilson. I'm Executive Vice President here at the Atlantic Council, and I'm just delighted to welcome all of you who are here in the room and all of you who are joining us online for this discussion and event on securing Southeast Europe, a new model for progress in the Western Balkans. I'm going to turn the floor fairly shortly to my good friend and colleague, Ambassador Marcy Reese, to do the formal introductions uh, of the ministers that we have with us today. But I just wanted to say just a brief word about what, why we're here and what we're working on here at the Atlantic Council. Part of our work on the Western Balkans and indeed a renewed effort, uh, a Balkans initiative here at the Atlantic Council in which Sarah Badenbaugh is playing one of our leading roles on that. Thank you, Sarah. It's premised on this concept that the Western Balkans is a region in which the United States has invested so much. And it's our argument that today with just a bit of sustained engagement, there are great dividends to be had in terms of prosperity and security. But conversely, ambivalence or inattention from Washington at a time of uncertainty across the Atlantic is a recipe for creating problems for ourselves that will require greater fixes in the future. And that's what we're working towards here at the Atlantic Council, a rationale, a new premise for U.S. sustained engagement in the region. Couldn't be more delighted to be welcoming the ministers of three key countries uh, with us today. They're here in part because they formed a, a trilateral effort among themselves that we're looking to hear a little bit more about. Um, I'll, have, I'll, I'll invite Marcy to introduce them, but uh, for me to have Foreign Minister Steer, who I served over a decade ago with on a, a panel on European security with, to have uh, Foreign Minister Darmanovic back, a good friend, uh, who I've had the chance to spend much time with in his country, Foreign Minister Bushati, who's been a, 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 regular, uh, a regular guest at the Atlantic Council events both here and within Europe. It's a real pleasure. Uh, to introduce and set the scene for our program today, Ambassador Marcy Reese has been uh, one of America's stalwart figures in the region, uh, having served as a chief of mission three times, including in Pristina, then serving as ambassador to Albania, ambassador to Bulgaria, um, a 37-year veteran diplomat of the U.S. Foreign Service. Uh, I had the opportunity to watch her in action both in Washington as a principal deputy assistant secretary for Europe uh, and for me personally to see her in action in Baghdad when we served together uh, in Iraq. It's a real pleasure to welcome you back to the Council, Marcy, someone who's been helping to drive forward our own work on the Western Balkans, please. Well, thank you, Damon, for that extremely generous uh, introduction. And it is uh, delightful to be among friends today. And. Um, Thanks for the opportunity to participate in this uh, endeavor, which I think is really quite important. It's, um, it's kind of become a cliche that um, we neglect what happens in the Balkans uh, at, our, at our peril, but I think it actually is, uh, it is true. Certainly it is a part of our transatlantic space. It's a lesson that we have learned. We were talking a little bit before this uh, event about how it was 25 years ago that there was war in the Balkans. Uh, the U.S. has certainly been deeply engaged there on a number of occasions. And so now it's time, I think, to think, think more intensively about the Balkans once again. Uh, we have Montenegro proceeding towards NATO membership. We have the recent launch of this trilateral um, cooperation in the Adriatic. We also have some developments of concern. Uh, for example, some concerns about terrorism, about uh, 
radicalization of youth. We have uh, concerns about continuing tensions among some of the countries in the region. And so, uh, and then we have some suspicions that there is some interference from the outside. So there is certainly plenty for you all to talk about today, and I'm among those looking forward to hearing what you will have to say. It really is um, quite an honor to be introducing three ministers at once. Uh, I will start with uh, His Excellency uh, uh, Minister Steyer, who is a Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of Foreign and, uh, of Foreign and European Affairs. Uh, his, the minister's distinguished career includes being one of the first Croatian members of the European Parliament, a diplomat in the U.S. and at the mission to NATO, and a special envoy for the European Atlantic Partnership and Integration. So someone who has had a long commitment to Euro-Atlantic integration. I would also uh, like to introduce to you His Excellency Sir John Darmanovich, who is the Minister of Foreign Affairs of Montenegro. He also has been a diplomat in the United States, ambassador here. He uh, has an academic background. He was the founder and first dean of the Faculty of Political Science. And he's also a civil society leader. Uh, he was the president of a Center for Democracy and Human Rights. He was a member of parliament in the former Yugoslavia, and something which is dear to my heart, he was a member of the Venice Commission of the Council of Europe. And finally, uh, His Excellency Dittmer Bovshati, who is the Minister of Foreign Affairs of Albania, and he also has a long history of commitment to Euro-Atlantic inter integration. He is a distinguished member of the Albanian Parliament, chairman of the Committee on European Integration. He was previously a civil society leader. Uh, he was a founder of a, of a European movement. He has a law degree and a master's in uh, public and international law and was also one of the negotiators of the Stability and Association Agreement. And finally, um, I would like to mention Emily, who is uh, uh, Emily Tankin, who is a staff writer at uh, Foreign Policy. She has a long background as a journalist, and I'm sure that she will lead a very lively conversation. So welcome, ministers and Emily. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today for, for what will be a very lively discussion um, about the trilateral agreement between Montenegro, Croatia, and Albania. Before I begin, um, as was mentioned, I'm Emily. I'm a staff writer at Foreign Policy. And I should also mention that whether you are here and on your cell phone using wireless or watching along with the live stream, you can tweet this event using the hashtag StrongerWithAllies. Get that trending. OK. Let's just get right to it, right? So, oh, and I should also say that we are left to right uh, Foreign Minister Bushati, Foreign Minister Darmanovic, and Foreign Minister Stier. Um, so my first question goes to all of you. 
At this joint declaration following the trilateral agreement, trilateral meeting of the ministers of foreign affairs of Albania, Croatia, and Montenegro in split, point three says, we agree that the trilateral cooperation provides a valuable platform for deepening and strengthening our cooperation in the fields of foreign and regional policy, security, and other fields of common interest. Now, rather than me reading point four, which breaks down what those are, um, I was wondering if you could elaborate a bit as to specifically what challenges you believe this agreement will address and, and why now? So should I start? Please. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. And uh, first of all, I would like to thank you, Damon, Marcy, and you, Emily, for hosting this event. And I hope uh, this will mark the second round of our trilateral because we gathered uh, in split in February and we decided that we would have the second round in Duros in, in Albania, but I see that Atlantic Council, it's, uh, it's faster than we are. <laughs> Secondly, I would like to <laughs> thank you because uh, it seems that uh, uh, security issues that, and, and challenges that we are facing in Adriatic Europe are still uh, issues of interest also for Atlantic Council here. And in these turbulent times that we are that we are we are facing, uh, sometimes it's it's quite difficult to find friends that could discuss about these topics. Uh, very briefly, I would say that uh, we are countries that do share more or less the same interest in the Adriatic area, that do have a record of full alignment with. Uh, uh, EU's foreign policy, especially Albania and Montenegro, because Croatia is already an uh, EU member state, and we do have uh, we do have demonstrated our political will in the in the past in the past years, which is our distinctiveness in comparison with other countries in the region. Uh, we support uh, very much the accession process of Montenegro uh, in NATO. And we have considered these, uh, these process as an example also for uh, other countries in, in the region. And we have agreed to expand our cooperation also in other areas related to um, security, namely energy security would be one example since we are uh, working for the Ionian Adriatic pipeline that could connect with Trans-Adriatic pipeline and we would like to develop further these, these cooperation. And we have uh, experienced some positive aspects of these uh, cooperation and I think uh, this is a byproduct of three countries because it's for the very first time. Uh, Damon and Marcy were highlighting a little bit the U.S. engagement in our region, especially after the fall of communist regime. We have been, uh, we have been working a lot with several U.S. administrations, with European Union. But this is for the first time that we come up with a regional initiative that is not being urged by U.S. or EU. And uh, Foreign Minister Darmanovic, if you could speak a bit to, to you know, why this was the first time that you three were able to come together and, and put together this initiative. I may say that the three countries forming this uh, joint initiative in split in February this year demonstrated the kind of a flexible way of thinking. Uh, uh, I think the position-wise of these three countries, for example, Croatia is a EU member and NATO member. Albania is NATO member, 
and Montenegro is uh, soon NATO member and not still not EU member. So uh, three countries did not think too much about where we are now, but where uh, what we can do now and where, where we are going to be. Uh, we we actually uh, emphasized our role in the security of our region. Uh, we are we are considering that Western Balkans are facing some. Uh, challenges that uh, maybe that are that have not been so uh, visible maybe a few years ago, that we are facing new challenges, uh, uh, that that were a product of different uh, forces and influences and uh, and currents in our region, and that countries that are very close to the to to values they share, uh, to to future they see for the region, should cooperate and also open some avenues and and hope for for our for our neighbors. Uh, we know, for example, that uh, some other of our neighbors are also uh, they also want to be uh, members of, of these uh, boat boat clubs, or at least one of them. Uh, and we are ready to act, for example, as Croatia did in our case, uh, by providing uh, the whole possible support in our EU drive and, and NATO drive. Not only Croatia, of course, it was Slovenia, it was, it was the other countries, but when I, when I talk about the, uh, these three countries, uh, we are ready to, 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 act, to act this way in the future. Then we share some interests that are not only related to security. One is the, is the Adriatic. We, we, we need, to, we need to, to take care about the environment in, in the, about the, the, Adriatic, the Adriatic Sea. And uh, we also believe that uh, connectivity between our countries can, 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 be, uh, can be better uh, shaped. For example, Adriatic Ionic uh, uh, highway and, and pipelines and, and the other projects that we can that, that, that we can uh, do together. So there are many fields of interest, but the, there is a there is a common philosophy uh, uh, behind that. These countries share the same values. Uh, we are going the same way, and we are ready to cooperate uh, in uh, in the NATO and out of NATO in the uh, in the in the in the common project. And Minister, so as your counterparts have mentioned, Croatia is an EU and NATO member. So why did you nevertheless think it was important that you join this trilateral agreement? Well, thank you, Emily, for that question. And let me thank also Raymond and the Atlantic Council for convening this meeting. It's uh, really great to be here. Uh, for us, it was uh, an evident, uh, a natural step to, after joining NATO and EU, to foster stability and to support all those countries in Southeast Europe that are also willing to join the Euro-Atlantic uh, uh, institutions. Uh, this uh, Adriatic trilateral that we launched in Split on the 10th of uh, February, um, if I have to sum it up with one concept, is that we want the Adriatic uh, not to be uh, a or an area for some geopolitical competition, but rather an area, an Adriatic area of cooperation among NATO allies. And I think that this is bringing more security to the entire European continent and to our alliance. And that's why we are so much supportive of uh, uh, finalizing the uh, ratification process of uh, Montenegro's accession uh, to NATO. We've been working together, all the three ministers, but also our ambassadors uh, in uh, addressing and, uh, and encouraging allies to, to, to support Montenegro in, in, uh, in that path towards uh, NATO. Uh, 
we of course are supportive of both uh, Albania and Montenegro in their path towards the European Union in a very uh, pragmatic way, but also with a political support at the Council, uh, where we do believe that the enlargement process continues to be one of the most effective uh, tools for fostering stability that both NATO and the EU have, and uh, we want to make uh, use of that. Uh, of course, as uh, both uh, Dietmir and Sergeant uh, uh, explained, this Adriatic trilateral has uh, other uh, uh, possibilities and dimensions for cooperation, uh, energy, infrastructure, and the environmental protection of the Adriatic that we are sharing. So this is uh, something that we would like to um, develop further, and uh, we're looking forward to the uh, next meeting uh, that will be in Albania. The, well, that will be the second or the third, that's uh, less relevant. But uh, I think that uh, you know, coming here uh, to the Atlantic Council here in DC on this occasion is already sending a very good signal. Um, so that was a lot, and I'd like to sort of unpack some of it now. So first, to Montenegro, to Minister Damanovic, um, I believe it was in the Wall Street Journal in February that you said you expected Montenegro to be able to join NATO in May. You're now here in the States, you're taking meetings. Do you still, is the times table still that, do you think? What is your sense? I believe so, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we are witnessing here uh, a rather complicating process of the of the ratification, but uh, we don't have uh, any doubt about about the outcome. Uh, simply, it is how how democracy works. How democracy works in in the United States. There 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 are regular procedure. There is a regular procedure. The uh, Senate, uh, uh, the for Foreign Relations Committee of the Senate voted twice about our our protocol ratification, uh, both uh, both times by the unanimous consent. And uh, when uh, when Senate tried to, to finalize it by the by the so-called hotline procedure, and the unanimous consent, one of the senators, well, Senator uh, Paul, had a problem with it. He made, made an objection. Uh, in a democracy, it's not easy to get uh, hundred out of hundred people to vote for some for anything. Uh, we uh, respect that uh, any anybody can can have its own uh, understanding or philosophy of how NATO should work, how it should enlarge, and uh, even what is the role of the United States in the alliance. And uh, we we actually ha now have a fact that uh, 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 Senator Paul objected for the for the unanimous consent. Uh, maybe it is not the end of these efforts, but. Uh, uh, Probably the the whole stuff is going to end up by at some point uh, sending it to a vote in the, in the floor. Uh, voting in the in the in the in the plenary is uh, normal in the in the democracies. We are quite confident that once once it, it comes to a vote, it will be 98 or 99 votes mm -hmm. in favor, as it as it as it has always been because uh, uh, the, the NATO enlargement has always had strong and huge bipartisan support in the in the United States Senate, and we don't have any doubts it is going to be the same way this time. But uh, we have to be a little bit patient because uh, uh, NATO summit is in May, and uh, it is very difficult for me to imagine that, uh, that the leading country of NATO and the kind of leader of the free world is not going to finalize its procedure before, before the NATO summit. I'm, I, I do believe everything is going to work quite okay. As a quick follow-up to that, um, in a Time article in February, your, your prime minister, I believe, was giving an interview, and the interviewer said, 
you know, you have no Air Force, you have no military academy, you have no Coast Guard, you have 2,000 active personnel, why should you be a part of NATO? And the, the response was, you know, we're, we're in the Adriatic and we have the port of Bar, which is are two important points. But to those who are increasingly skeptical in the United States today about the role of NATO and NATO enlargement and, and defense spending in the U.S. and so on and so forth, what is the argument that you make? I'm sure it's familiar to all here, but just in case it's not to some watching on a live stream or tweeting along, hashtag stronger with allies, what is the argument that you make as to why NATO should, uh, should include Montenegro? If the world would consist only of huge countries, probably it would be a different world. There are also small countries, as, as we are, <laughs> that, that uh, or maybe all of us, that also can contribute. Uh, for example, all three of our countries are very devoted members of uh, uh, anti-terrorist coalition in Afghanistan, now anti-ISIS coalition. Uh, we, we share the same values. We, uh, we have never uh, uh, strived to be members of EU and NATO just because to become a member of, the, of two privileged clubs. For us, it is, uh, it, uh, both, both alliances are also a community of democracies, community of values we share and we want to share. And particularly in our history, it is, it is for the first time that uh, becoming a member of NATO and subsequently member of EU, Montenegro is going to take its definite departure to the West, mm -hmm. not, not, not only geographically, but in the terms of values. So uh, our citizens have been uh, quite aware uh, about that when they voted on independence in 2006, because those who voted in favor of Montenegro to become independent knew very well that if vote, uh, the vote for independence is vote for EU and NATO membership. Mm -hmm. So it was not sudden decision. It was not decision from yesterday. It was decision from, from 11 years ago. Uh, we contributed, as I told you, in, in different uh, uh, coalitions. We are a very multi-ethnic society that brings uh, multi-ethnicity as a philosophy of, of life with a, with a strong protection of minorities. We have very good relations with, with all neighbors. Uh, we contribute to, to, the st to the stability of the region that way. And we should not forget geography completely. Mm -hmm. uh, Montenegrin shore is the last, pe last piece of shore in the Adriatic that is not under NATO shield. One we are in, it will, the, the gap will be filled. So it is not maybe, it should not be taken completely out of the consideration. And so, John, if I, if I may add something to this, I mean, this very clear Euro-Atlantic vocation of uh, the government of Montenegro was also one of the reasons why at the very same day of the parliamentary elections in Montenegro, there was an attempted coup d'etat, and uh, which wanted to derail, actually, this uh, Euro-Atlantic path of the country. And I think that uh, it's also our responsibility in the alliance to say, we will support Montenegro, we, we will uh, accept the will of the Montenegrin people, uh, and, uh, and that will has been expressed uh, in such a way that they want to see Montenegro exceed in NATO. And I think that we need to give our uh, answer to that uh, in a positive way. Of course, I mean, uh, look, uh, when it comes to uh, uh, our, our relations, uh, Sojan has been minister now for three months, three and a half months, and you have been in, in Croatia already four times. <laughs> so uh, you see how much we have increased our cooperation with Ditmir as well. We are regularly uh, uh, meeting. And uh, uh, this is an added value uh, that uh, really gives uh, strength to, to, to the alliance. Just remember that 25 years ago, 
Uh, actually, uh, for example, in December 2016, this is something that we mentioned several times, uh, the city of Dubrovnik was bombed. It was the biggest, actually, uh, bombing on the 6th of December. 1991. In 1991. Uh, and it's also uh, Veterans Day uh, in, in, in the city of Dubrovnik uh, uh, in, in Croatia. And we are very proud of our veterans. But we are also very proud of the process of reconciliation that we have developed with Montenegro afterwards. And now, to have these two countries as allies, I think this is sending also a very strong message. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and we need to build in that. Can I add something? I was going to ask, yes. I so just need to add something that defense spending is very important. And nobody is, is, is questioning that. And also military capabilities. But we need to take into consideration also the political aspects and the rule of law uh, related reforms to these, uh, to these uh, accession process. And Montenegro, it's a case in point. Um, last two, three years, we have seen Western Balkans, uh, which is bigger than our uh, three respective countries, acting as security providers for the European security architecture. We were confronting with the massive uh, refugee crisis and the way how we coordinated with each other our efforts, but also with uh, EU member states, proved to be uh, rather uh, successful. The way how we were cooperating with uh, each other in terms of law enforcement agencies, intelligence services, in, on countering violent extremism, radicalization, ISIL, all have an effect also about the uh, notion of uh, European security architecture. So one needs to take into consideration also these aspects and not count how many ports and how many, uh, how many uh, air aircrafts we do, we do have. Because at the end of the day, we are speaking about a political organization. And uh, if we see these three countries that are, that are, are sitting here today, um, we have seen that the trajectory of the reforms have been quite successful when we were in the process of uh, approaching NATO or, or, or EU. So and we need to consolidate this trend. I remember two years ago where I was more or less in the same panel where we were discussing about the consolidation of the European project. So Montenegro's accession um, into NATO is part of consolidation of this, of this uh, European project, I believe. Thank you. Going off on that, um, a, a criticism that is made not just of, of the Balkans, not just of Eastern Europe, but of, of Europe, and indeed of, the, I think, America too has, has gotten this criticism, is that changes are made at the elite level that have very expensive ramifications for people on the ground who don't necessarily understand what is happening or, or why. So, uh, and, and there are, there's efforts to counteract this, certainly. I know I was watching today, the European Parliament was uh, like brought Europeans in to replace the Parliament members for, for two hours. But that's two hours, right? That how do you, in your countries, as you're going through European accession, uh, accession to the European Union or to NATO, and you're putting reforms in place, I know you were all foreign ministers, but um, can you speak a little bit to the efforts that are made on the ground to make sure the Croatians and Albanians and Montenegrins are part of the reform process? Well, 
Let me say this. Uh, I think that the communication with the citizens is an essential part, of course, of our job. And explaining uh, in a democracy our uh, priorities to our citizens is, of course, something that we need to do constantly and in, in, in a permanent way. Um, when we were exceeding both NATO and the EU, of course, that uh, we had this outreach. Uh, but it's something that we need even after uh, the accession to, to, to continue because you need uh, 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 democratic uh, popular support for also the actions that you and, and the different endeavors that you are embarked upon uh, as, as a NATO and an EU uh, member. And it's not always uh, easy, but I think that here we are also as political leaders to lead and to explain uh, why is this in the best interest uh, of our countries, of our alliance, or in the case of uh, uh, the European Union of the Union. Uh, I do believe that, uh, and we have, uh, we had, uh, for example, on the uh, uh, ratification of the accession protocol of Montenegro in the Croatian Parliament, uh, a three-hour debate, uh, and uh, and uh, it was a huge number, actually, uh, you know, a very large majority uh, across the board, so uh, uh, voting for for the uh, ratification, uh, and it was an understanding that this is a way to uh, foster stability and security in, in our neighborhood, which of course is in, in, in our national interest as well. Uh, I think that supporting the EU path of uh, both uh, uh, Albania and Montenegro, having our experts working with your experts, uh, uh, is actually uh, indicating that these reforms have an added value uh, in itself. And it's, it's changing and transforming and making better the, uh, the societies. We went through that. But of course, even after accession, it's a, it's a, it's a process that needs to be uh, sustained and constantly uh, uh, explained and in a communication with this. It's not just a communication in a, in a one way, uh, but also getting the feedback from the citizens and trying to have our uh, institutions open and, and inclusive. That is. Uh, the challenge, of course, that, that, that we all have. Sure. Would I like to add to that? No, I, would, I would like to add something which is quite peculiar, peculiar in the case of Albania, where the support for uh, NATO membership was like 90%, and now also the support for EU accession process is like 80, 85%. So uh, if, you see, if you see the figures, uh, European Union nowadays, it's, it's more appealing and more attractive outside European Union. Mm -hmm. So in those countries that are European, like uh, Montenegro and Albania, but not yet part of uh, European Union. Um, because in, 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 in our case, this process is seen as, uh, as an incentive to transform ourselves, to, to, to develop our um, economy and to modernize our, our, our institutions and the way how uh, we are we are working. So we need to take into consideration these uh, these these aspect on this on this process. We uh, spoke a little bit about uh, about the uh, security uh, environment in, in in our region, and now we see uh, we see the return of geopolitics and 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 the the, the role of the third actors that 
is trying to have disruptive effect for, for, for our societies. And then we see countries that are more immune and countries that are less immune. And we are speaking about those third actors that uh, are quite uh, vertical in, in conveying their, their messages, in trying to uh, gain media space, in trying to work closely with uh, uh, media, media outlets on the ground, especially in a situation where, um, unfortunately, U.S. is seen as in a retreat mood. And EU, it's, it's quite busy and quite absorbed with its, uh, with its own mm -hmm. crisis. Mm -hmm. So we need to have a coherent approach on tackling uh, these, these, uh, these, these phenomena. And this communication uh, strategy, it is not only a homework that can be conducted by us. I'm, I'm, I'm sure we need to have a concerted, uh, a concerted action. And, confronting these, these, these phenomena. So to speak more specifically about that, something, as I'm sure you know here, that we've spoken a great deal about from the American side is increased Russian influence in domestic politics. You already uh, referenced what happened in Montenegro. I'm curious as to if you've seen an attempt at increased Russian influence, what forms that's taken, and what is being done to sort of counter it? Well. It's evident that in the last years you see an increased presence of, uh, of the Russian Federation. Although we have to say uh, it, uh, it has always been uh, in, 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 in the Balkans uh, and in a broader sense in, in Southeast Europe. Uh, but what I would say is that that has been also increased not only uh, from the Russian Federation, some others non-European actors have been uh, uh, more active in the, in, the, in the last years. And uh, that is, in my view, because there is uh, no vacuum in, 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 in international politics. And the answer to that is that we need to make better use of the best tool that we have, for example, in the EU, and that is the enlargement uh, uh, process and the enlargement policy. Um, if we dilute that too much, if we water down that process, of course uh, we will be opening up uh, room for others to fill in the gaps. And that's why we are uh, strong supporters. Of course uh, that criteria should be uh, met. Of course that uh, it's, we should not be obsessed with dates. Uh, that we should uh, focus on the quality of the reforms, but also the uh, process should be credible. And that is a process that then is fostering stability and it's bringing all the countries that are willing uh, to go to the European Union and those willing as well to, to NATO. And I think that that is the, uh, the best answer. We should not be obsessed with dates, but on the other hand, we should not uh, uh, we should not make breaks in, in processes which are uh, very important for, for, for our region. Uh, and here I refer to uh, the enlargement breaks that has been uh, introduced by, by, the, by, the current, uh, by the current commission because as I, as I mentioned earlier, this process has a direct impact on the transformation of, uh, of our societies. Second, we need to take into account the fact that the so-called third actors, and not only Russia, do not have a key 
do not have uh, ratification procedures. They have objectives. And in order to, to achieve those objectives, they could use the right instruments. And nobody uh, is questioning here the presence of the so-called actors. Here we are talking about uh, security threats that could come from uh, certain actors or, disrupt or disruptive moments uh, on these processes that have started since the fall of communist regime in our, in, our, in our societies. So we do not perceive third actors as a threat per se, but would like to see them complementary with our own trajectory, which is not always the case. So when Albania and Croatia joined uh, NATO in 2009, just to give you one example, uh, Russian Federation was, an, was not particularly amused by this fact. And they followed this diplomatic uh, procedure through verbal notes and demarches, uh, expressing their discontent about uh, these, uh, these decision. But a few years later, we have, seen, we have seen an assertive Russian Federation in the case of Montenegro. It has been very much vocal. We have seen uh, engaging with uh, certain, certain actors, with religious leaders, with political parties, with media outlets. And now um, there is much more talk about, uh, about, about third actors. We have seen also other initiatives, 16 plus 1. Uh, we have seen GCC countries uh, trying to, to, to be more present in, in, in the Western Balkans. Turkey has been traditionally there. So there are all these actors and we need to be clear and we need to be also sober. But we need also instruments from, from, from all our friends. I think, Dietmar, uh, another issue that we need to stress here, and Albania has been doing a very good job there, of course, uh, it's uh, the issue of uh, the cooperation that we have, and we will discuss it uh, also tomorrow, uh, on the question of foreign fighters mm -hmm. and the influence of them. You know, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's been an issue. Uh, it's not just uh, a large number of foreign fighters uh, from uh, some of the uh, countries uh, from, from uh, the Balkans and those also returning. Uh, and uh, this is something that we also need to, to pay attention. We, of course, um, as a first neighbor to Bosnia-Herzegovina, pay a lot of attention to, to this work very closely. Uh, with uh, uh, the institutions in, in Bosnia and Herzegovina. We do believe that uh, there we also need to force uh, stability and promote stability and uh, working for uh, NATO majority uh, and it will be demonstrated once we are going to a vote in the, in the ratification of the protocol in, in our parliament. So we, we hope that uh, uh, once we become NATO member uh, because, uh, pure because of the fact that uh, becoming a NATO member, we don't want to threat anybody. We, we even don't, can, cannot, if, even if, uh, if, we, if we want it. Uh, uh, Russia will just adjust to the situation and accept that uh, it, it is not the end of the world in the Balkans uh, to have one small country uh, being member of the, of the North Atlantic Alliance. And we can have, uh, uh, we can have uh, build our relations on, the, on a different base uh, that uh, it is, it is now, it has, it has been connected with our, with all very, very unpleasant events uh, around our October elections. There's, 
thank you all for that answer. There's another external pressure on, on the world right now, but on your region specifically, and that's the refugee crisis, right? The Balkan route was a major route through which refugees came to Europe. Obviously, that's been closed off, but the, the, the problem is not going away, right? And warmer months are coming. Um, so one, what steps are your countries taking to deal with the refugee crisis? But then two, what support do you feel you need and are perhaps not getting from either the European Union or from the United States or for the broader, because this is not a, a Balkan problem, right? This is an international issue. Do you feel that you're not, do you feel that you're getting sufficient support from the wider world? And if not, what, what do you need? Well, uh, as you have said, the uh, so-called Balkan route has been closed and um, uh, two major uh, issues were very important in order to achieve that and that is the better coordination and cooperation among the uh, countries along that uh, route all the way to, to, to Austria and, um, and that has been achieved and that needs to be uh, preserved and developed further. And we have a good cooperation, regardless whether a country is uh, in the EU or is in the process or is an aspirant or a candidate. Uh, but we have that cooperation and we need to preserve that. And the other uh, major, of course, event uh, is, is the EU-Turkey uh, uh, statement. Uh, and uh, in this regard, we need to, to pay attention to the new uh, developments. Uh, we do believe that uh, we need to keep uh, a channel of communication with uh, Turkey. That's our position. We were always opposed to those saying that we need to uh, just uh, close uh, the uh, doors for the accession negotiation. We think that we need to, to keep that channel of communication uh, open. Of course, that uh, uh, there are many implications for that, but we need to we need to 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 be uh, and to pay a lot of attention. Uh, the uh, the key issue, of course, is the security uh, of and uh, managing the border, especially in uh, the, 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 the between Greece and and, and Turkey there, uh, in order to to avoid uh, you know this uh, uh, smugglers etc. during during this uh, is unfortunately. Uh, business uh, 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 taking advantage to 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 a very uh, difficult uh, situation, which is uh, unacceptable uh, from from any point of view. And unfortunately, um, we also need to to say here that there is another route, the uh, Central Mediterranean, that has continues to, to to be very very active. And uh, for that reason, we need to pay far more attention to the situation in, in, in Libya, working with uh, other regional actors. We've been meeting with, for example, the Egyptian foreign minister uh, and, uh, and uh, having uh, uh, increasing the cooperation uh, uh, with Egypt, uh, which can play definitely a very, a very positive role there. So uh, uh, that's uh, what I think that uh, it's describing the, the framework of, of, of the activities uh, in order to, to uh, avoid any uh, future, future crisis. Uh, yes. First, I think it's fair to note that Western Balkan countries <laughs> acted in more European ways and stick more to European values than some EU member states. So you haven't heard any discussion about uh, using uh, religious 
as a filter to accept or not accept refugees. Uh, you haven't heard discussions about uh, walls or expulsions in, in, in the Western Balkans. So there has been uh, a level of understanding that helped uh, to, to stabilize the, 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 the phenomenon. This is first. My second point is uh, about the relations between Western Balkans and the European Union. Here, Croatia could serve as a bridge. The last two years, um, I could describe this relationship as being into a crisis management mode, where we discuss only about uh, crisis and how do we respond to those crises. So there is no, um, there is no uh, clear initiative on how to anticipate crisis first and, and then how to build a, a, a compelling and a narrative that looks towards the future and towards development. So we don't see that. Third, it is not, in my view, a question of uh, financial resources. If one looks the figures, uh, would realize that the third bailout, in the case of Greece, is eight times bigger than the whole financial, uh, seven years financial budget dedicated for Western Balkans. So, when we discuss about uh, European Union, uh, we see that the gap between East and West, South and North, is still there. And this is one of the sources of the current crisis. So now we are, uh, in, in few days, EU leaders will gather in Rome and they will celebrate 60th anniversary of European Union. It is very difficult to, to, to explain to our citizens why candidate countries were not invited. When EU was celebrating 50 years of its, of its existence, we were all around the table. So those are uh, simple political gestures and messages uh, that do have a certain impact on our societies, that do have a certain impact about um, the future and about the sense of belonging. And I'm afraid um, we have to go back to the basics and we have to make these, um, these, these discussions once again. Montenegro has had a lot of experience with the refugees from the time of Yugoslav calamities in the 90s. At one point, 25% uh, of our total population were refugees, what was not easy to handle at the time. And uh, based on this experience, we, we were ready uh, for this wave, had it uh, gone through throughout our territory. but. Uh, as it happened, we were not on their way, and Montenegro did not experience anything what, what uh, other neighbors or European countries experienced with the, with the wave of migrants. Mm -hmm. uh, we stay ready for any possible situation about it, but this, this, is the, this is the issue much, much broader, much more politically important uh, with many humanitarian aspects. Uh, tackling the issue of the common borders of, uh, of human rights, 
um, uh, much broader than it is a position of one country. But as for Montenegro, we were not part of the of, of this problem at least so far. Can you speak to whether or not as um, whether or not you've experienced the same sort of confusing signals from or your citizens have from the EU as uh, Minister Bushati just spoke to? It was a crisis that uh, affected uh, countries in many ways, I, but uh, uh, it, it was not it was not uh, so uh, top priority issue in, in the in our in our internal political debates. Maybe due to the fact that uh, other uh, other disputes dominated mm -hmm. uh, at the time. Okay. Um, rather than going into the, those other disputes, um, let's open it up for questions. One point of clarification, I know this is often confusing in Washington, D.C. Um, the question should be a query, right? So not a three-point um, explanation of your area of expertise. We will take the questions in threes um, and then turn it over to the three to answer. There are people walking around with microphones. You can show yourselves. There's one and two. Um, okay, so we have one right there, and then we'll take two and three. Great. You first, sir. Hello, uh, Meto Koloski with the United Macedonian Diaspora, and good to see all the ministers here again, and I'm glad Atlantic Council is hosting this important event. Uh, first question is, how does this uh, kind of translate in terms of uh, the U.S. Adriatic Charter, which includes Macedonia, Montenegro, Bosnia, um, and hope uh, for Kosovo? And then the second question is in regards to Albania's policy on Macedonia and the domestic affairs. Um, we were very impressed that the Prime Minister of Albania had, uh, you know, worked on improving relations with Macedonia in the first part of the his term in 2013 and called for, uh, I guess, their own government, your own government, to do more with the Macedonian minority in Albania and expressing such, uh, I guess, great um, uh, pleasure with how things have been progressing in Macedonia in terms of the Albanian uh, minority. Recently, the Albanian prime minister, two days after Macedonia's elections, uh, called for all the Albanian parties to come to Tirana, uh, and they proposed this platform, uh, which in for the most part is an excellent platform minus uh, some calls for debate of a change of constitution of Macedonia, its flag, its anthem, and its coat of arms, uh, which are really stuff that we should have handled in the 90s and, and before that. So if you could probably explain your government's position on this. Okay, so that's one, then we'll go up here to the front for the second. Uh, Fran Burwell, Atlantic Council. Um, I would also like to hear how, first off, congratulations on the trilateral declaration. How do you intend to use it to push forward some of the countries, some of your neighbors who are lagging? And Bosnia in particular, which has been just stood still for a while. Also, I'd like to ask you, you mentioned about Turkey and refugees, and we've spoken quite a bit about Russian influence in your countries, but what about Turkish influence? And how has that changed with the uh, growing escalation of tensions between Fethullah Gülen and uh, the government in Turkey. Thank you. Okay, and then for the last question of this round, if we could go to this gentleman back here in the blue shirt with the, yeah, so you sir. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just wait for the microphone. And the <coughs> yes. Hi, uh, Bob Icord from the Global Energy Center at the Atlantic Council. Um, you mentioned energy security is one of the areas that you want to work together on. And uh, you're all members or have been involved in, since the beginning of the energy community. 
So I wanted to say, as both a pre-accession as well as uh, for energy security broadly, has it been effective? Do you support it going ahead? And with the important development of the TAP pipeline in Albania, does that open up more realistic prospects for the Ionian Adriatic pipeline that has been proposed to link your three countries and reduce dependence on Russian gas? Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, we will start with Minister Bushadi and then work our way to the, well, to my left. But. I believe I explained the uh, position of my country as far as this trilateral is, is being concerned. So this is not uh, uh, a substitute to other forms of regional cooperation. It is not being directed uh, against any country in, in, in the region. It's not an alliance pro certain uh, countries and against uh, others. Um, we tried to explain uh, the reasons why we are together. Of course, if uh, one hears about Adriatic area, would immediately think also uh, about including Italy and Slovenia as part of, uh, of, this, of, this, of this group. But I believe we were quite clear on explaining why we are uh, together. So we will continue to be uh, members of US Adriatic Charter, and we would uh, continue also to promote inclusiveness uh, in these in these organizations. So our uh, respective countries have been quite clear on extending an invitation to Serbia and Kosovo becoming part of uh, US Adriatic Charter because we are investing on stability of our of our of our neighborhood. Uh, the second question in relation to uh, our position in Macedonia. Uh, I hope uh, it was an error coming from uh, coming from uh, a Macedonian when you called Albanians living in Macedonia minority. Here, I strongly disagree with you, as the entire international community is disagreeing is disagreeing with you. If you would consider Albanians living in Macedonia as minority, Albanians living in Macedonia are one of the two main constituent uh, ethnic groups together with Macedonians. And we have always invested about stability and territorial integrity of, of, of Macedonia, as we have been working with uh, Albanian political factor for strengthening their cohesion and for the appropriate implementation of Ohrid agreement. So if one fails to realize that uh, Albanians are a factor of stability in Macedonia. If one fails to implement Ohrid agreement, if one fails to implement commitments undertaken in the EU accession and Euro-Atlantic path, if one seeks to create tensions and antiquization projects and to create problems with neighbors, I think it makes a big mistake for the regional stability in our neighborhood. I did not want to make comparisons between countries in, in, in the region, but I've always believed that by having Macedonia part of NATO, by having Macedonia part of NATO accession process, all friends of Macedonia, including Albania, could have had more leverage in the internal developments in, in Macedonia. 
There is no Albanian platform. There is no meddling of Albania in domestic affairs in Macedonia. This is something that has been staged by third actors who came up also with statements accusing Albania, US, NATO, and EU on meddling into internal affairs. And all we have demanded from uh, Albanian political leaders in Macedonia is to act in a responsible manner. If you refer to the so-called platform, there are clear references also about deblocking Macedonia's path towards NATO, because for Albanians this is the most important thing, deblocking Macedonian path towards EU, stabilizing relations with Greece, with Bulgaria, and of course also with Albania and Kosovo as neighbors of Macedonia. So I haven't read anything about changing the flag, changing the language of, of Macedonians. I don't know where you have read all these elements, but this is the position, this is the position of Albanian government. Then, whether leaders of political parties, of Albanian political parties in Macedonia, would form a coalition with one or another government, this is entirely up to them. I'm worried about the, the recent situations in Macedonia. I have never seen extremists in the streets chanting against NATO, US, Albania, chanting against US embassy. I think we should appear united, united in making more calls and appealing to the current US administration to be more present in Albania, in Macedonia, in Montenegro, even in Serbia, because this is very good for the future of our, of, our, of our region. And I hope, and I hope, all political forces in Macedonia will respect the constitution of Macedonia. Because I haven't seen any country in a democratic world that minority is ruling majority. So rules of the game are quite clear in this respect. And Albania is one of the countries, one of the friendly neighbors of Macedonia that would like to see a vibrant democracy at display also in Macedonia. Questions related to energy security and uh, energy treaty, I think it proved to be rather instrumental for uh, removing some of the barriers in the, in the energy market. You probably know that uh, under the framework of the Berlin process, uh, we are uh, in the process of creation an uh, energy regional market that would allow uh, companies to be more present in our, in, our, in our neighborhood. And we are also in the process of working with uh, uh, European, European Union on having uh, these, these connections between Trans-Adriatic Pipeline and Union-Adriatic Pipeline. You know that there are some technical requirements. It should be qualified as a, a project of a community interest. Community interest. Uh, we are not yet there, but we believe that uh, uh, we need to join forces uh, in, these, uh, in this area because these would have an immense effect uh, not only on security, but also on the economy of, of, of our region. Uh, these were the questions, I think, about... Yeah, so then, Ministers Darmanovic and Scheer, yeah. if you could speak to how this agreement can help bring neighboring countries, and namely Bosnia, along, and um, 
speak to Turkish influence in, in your region as well? I I'll be very brief. I will not take all, the, all these questions, just a few of them. Sure. So uh, we have never understood the Adriatic trilateral to put in question the U.S. Adriatic Charter. It is completely different uh, uh, way of uh, how, doing, how we are doing things. This is, this is the initiative between, uh, among three de facto NATO members, two current members and one would-be member in the, in the Adriatic Rim. And uh, we, f we stay uh, completely faith faithful to the U.S. Adriatic Charter and very open to the, to the new members when, when it comes to the, to the decision making. Uh, as for the Turkish influence, we are not speaking in Montenegro about Turkish influence. We have excellent relations with Turkey. Economically and politically, uh, Turkey is one of the uh, big investors in Montenegro. Uh, we have a very good political understanding. Uh, we have uh, we have uh, cultural ties. We should not uh, forget that uh, part of our cultural her heritage come, comes from the Ottoman Empire. We have 19% uh, of the uh, religiously Muslim population uh, consisted mostly of the uh, uh, Bosniaks, Muslims, and part of the Albanian population are, are Muslims by the by the religion. Uh, we have a great cultural heritage of of of, of that uh, of the past. And uh, we always insist on the multi-ethnicity in our society. So as for the Turkish influence, we, we, can, just, uh, we can only talk about, about uh, very, very good cooperation between, between our countries. Uh. Well, uh, first of all, uh, both uh, Dietmir and Sergen explain the uh, Adriatic uh, trilateral is uh, uh, not something that will substitute uh, the U.S. Adriatic Charter. We, it's, it's very clear. I'm a very good friend of uh, Nikola Popovsky, the foreign minister of Macedonia. He absolutely uh, supports this uh, trilateral initiative, which has its security dimension, a political dimension, but also, as we said before, an economic infrastructure dimension and the, the, the dimension of the environmental protection of the Adriatic, you know. So uh, uh, it, this is quite clear. Of course, that we are very much interested in supporting also the stability of Macedonia. Croatia has uh, our embassy in Skopje is the NATO point of contact embassy uh, there. So we are very much interested in seeing now uh, stability and trying to work uh, with our NATO allies, of course, as a EU member, uh, trying to see how the EU can uh, uh, you know, help in, 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 in getting the, the whole situation back into an institutional path, you know, that Commissioner Han is today in, 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 in Skopje. Um, let, me, let me say uh, briefly uh, about Bosnia and Herzegovina, a country that is uh, shared by uh, the uh, Bosniak Muslim uh, uh, community, by the Serb Orthodox, by the Croat Catholic, and uh, they, and of course all, uh, all, all the citizens who uh, are not uh, or do not identify themselves uh, in these three uh, 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 national uh, uh, groups. But uh, all these three nations uh, sharing Bosnia and Herzegovina, it's clear that, and uh, we do believe that it's 
for Bosnia and Herzegovina natural that it will have uh, good relations with the Russian Federation and good relations with Turkey. It's 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 a known fact that uh, the Serbs in Bosnia and Herzegovina will naturally they usually their instinct is to look at at, at Moscow as as the 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 the, the Bosniak uh, uh, Muslim community look at at uh, Turkey uh, <coughs> while while the Croatian population tend to to look uh, to the west but uh, uh, what we want to say is that uh, while having good relations uh, with the Russian Federation and with Turkey the future of Bosnia and Herzegovina is within the European Union and NATO. And this is what we want to support. This is the path that we want to uh, uh, support. And this is actually what uh, the, even the polls uh, in Bosnia and Herzegovina are indicating is the will of, uh, of, of uh, the three uh, uh, nations. Of course, that there are different uh, levels. But, uh, but uh, overall, this is the path that I think should be encouraged. When it comes to uh, energy uh, cooperation, I could uh, 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 you know, echo what it has been said about the importance of the Ionian Adriatic Pipeline and to work. This is one of the issues we want to work together. Uh, we have, of course, uh, the um, common interest in diversification. Uh, that's why, for example, Croatia is building the LNG uh, terminal in the northern part of the Adriatic that could uh, help to this diversification. Uh, so I do believe that our Adriatic trilateral in this sense can, can be an added value also when it comes to uh, energy uh, security. Okay. Um, we will now turn to this side for questions. So if you, do we have, Nancy, your, your watch? Watch, please. I don't have one. Oh, gosh. Okay. We have very little time left. So if you have a question from this side, please raise your hand. Yes. Thank you very much. I congratulate the organizer for uh, putting together three very impressive persons to talk about extremely important problem. Personally, I was privileged to work or communicate with all three of them in different capacity. Currently, I am a uh, senior uh, international affairs advisor at the Square Patent Box. And let me uh, say two things that I very deeply believe. Number one, Montenegro should be admitted to NATO immediately, urgently. Why? Not, not only because of Montenegro. If you want me, not primarily because of Montenegro, but, but that is to secure one part of the world that can be secure. And we, the rest of the region, cannot be so easily secure, unfortunately. Let me go a little bit step further. I'm afraid that we are. Anyone who would exclude the future war in the region, it's rather naive. When I look back in the 90s, there were less elements to predict the war than now. And the players were not the same. The two big countries that we are mentioning right now and that the ministers were mentioning played, played constructive role, both Turkey and particularly Turkey, even Russia. They both support Dayton Peace Accords. Right now, we have a bigger interest, and when uh, one of the ministers said that what we have in Bosnia and Herzegovina is inactivity, yes, we do have inactivity of European Union, or uh, they are trying to pretend sta status quo. There is no status quo. United States, as you know, doesn't have new policy on that, and meanwhile, two other big powers are using the entire Balkan, but particularly Bosnia and Herzegovina, to establish their position in the new world order. So my concrete question would be for all three of them. 
if they are to recommend, I believe that they will do to their host here in the United States, how to proceed and what to do in Bosnia and Herzegovina, what would be those recommendations? Because just to remind, the war was stopped in the moment when the United States was involved. War can be prevented if the United States is involved. Thank you. Okay. Um, so your question is how to how would you, these three recommend the United States proceed yes. in Bosnia and Herzegovina? Okay. All right. I guess we will end with that. I might broaden Maybe it a bit. So what? Um, we'll start with you, Foreign Minister Steer, and then work this way. So how to proceed in in Bosnia? Your recommendation to the United States. If you would like to take it a step further and say how could you, what would your recommendation be to the United States right now more broadly, you're welcome to do that. Well, I think that when it comes to Bosnia and Herzegovina, it's very important, as I said, that uh, the United States working together with the, uh, with the European Union supports uh, uh, what I would call a dual track approach. It's good that uh, so far we have been focusing on the socioeconomic reforms. But this is not enough. We saw recently in Bosnia and Herzegovina how this question of, of the uh, genocide case uh, uh, before the International Court of Justice created an institutional crisis. How easy it is to have destabilized the country. And so we need to also address the uh, political issues. This is uh, and especially on those issues that are urgent. So I think that we need to now proceed uh, with uh, 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 a very focused approach, not to uh, go uh, for a big conference, but rather to do precisely what is needed and is urgent in order to avoid future uh, instabilities. Uh, that's why I mentioned the reform of the electoral law. Uh, why? The Constitutional Court of Bosnia and Herzegovina in December last year said that this uh, uh, law, this electoral law, is discriminating. So there is n it's not guarant uh, guaranteeing the, uh, um, the, representa the legitimate representation of all the three uh, uh, national groups. One group could be outvoted by the other, and that creates instability. That is what they need to fix. And they had a deadline by June 2017. Next year is an electoral year, and we need to address this issue, encourage, and uh, I would uh, really uh, echo that without uh, U.S. engagement, uh, uh, it would be far more difficult, if not impossible. So uh, we need to have this encouragement to the leaders in Bosnia and Herzegovina to really reform the electoral law uh, uh, before, before June in order to prevent future tension. This is not the only thing. Of course, that there are many other issues that it comes to the rule of law, to the judicial system, to how to make the decision-making process uh, more effective. But uh, I would say this is what is urgent. And in this sense, I think that supporting the, uh, this reform this is essential for moving the country forwards also to the European Union and to the activation of the membership action plan for NATO. Uh, I do believe that this is also something essential. We need to, we, so Bosnia-Herzegovina has been granted MAP, the membership action plan, but has not been activated because of uh, certain uh, criteria. I do believe that it will, the country will be better off, but also the alliance, if we can move forward with, uh, with the activation of, of MAP. But I said, uh, uh, 
let's focus on what is urgent now, what should be done immediately, and that is a reform of the electoral law that will rebalance uh, in, uh, of course, it cannot be compared, but it was the Washington Agreement in 94 that actually uh, started to rebalance the, uh, the situation, and that was conducive to the end of the war and then to, to what was the Dayton Peace Accord. Uh, uh, today, the, 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 the situation needs also a rebalancing act, and that can be done through the reform of the electoral law in order to have more stability, in order to have the equality and the legitimate representation, but also with this, the functionality and the progress for the entire Bosnia-Herzegovina. I have nothing to add to what Davor said about Bosnia. I only want to thank to Mr. Jojo for the right message, and it is Montenegrin Protocol should be ratified immediately. Mr. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bushati, you, you have the no. final word. I would like to expand a little bit uh, uh, the, the, the picture. I fully agree with uh, Davor as far as uh, Bosnia is, is being concerned. But I see the role of US or concerted actions between US and EU in our uh, part of, of Europe as uh, uh, very decisive. And I would divide these into three different pots. First, issues related strictly to security. Let's not forget, I'll give the example of my country, the whole transformation process of security uh, forces, police forces, army, intelligence service that used to be very repressive during communist period was done in close consultation with, uh, with US. Uh, whether this is the case for all Western Balkan countries, I would say clearly no. We have seen uh, in, in, in the Western Balkans intelligence service uh, being used by prime ministers and uh, being, being, being used also for achieving uh, political, political objectives. Second, rule of law, second pot, rule of law related reforms. We are in a region and we share uh, more or less the same challenges as far as corruption, organized crime uh, and justice is, is being concerned. We were uh, involved in a deep justice reform uh, process the last two years in close consultation with US administration and the European Commission services. And we were not aware of the fact that we would face such as political resistance as we are facing. Not only resistance coming from the so-called syndicate of judges and prosecutors, but also from certain political segments. We like to talk about Croatia being a member of European Union, but we don't like to talk about the price Croatia paid to join European Union. And here I'm referring also to politicians who either went behind the bars or were forced to leave politics or people uh, from the army, high-ranking high -ranking officers or generals who were, uh, who were removed from office or went behind the bars, and judges and prosecutors and so on and so forth. And we need to invest more on this second pot. And then as a consequence of first and second pot comes the third pot, economic development and investments in, in the region, bridging the gap first between Western Balkans and, trans and Eastern Europe, and transforming bit by bit Western Balkans in a true region. 
because we are not yet a true region in political, economic and security terms. And this is very much important if US would be a little bit more present and EU would put at our disposal few instruments that it used to put in the case of Big Ben of 2000, 2004. I know that the atmosphere is not the same as the one we had in 2004 because the political soul seems not to be there. But these renewed engagement about Western Balkans need to be materialized also with instruments. Okay. On that note, I don't, I don't work for the Atlantic Council. I work for foreignpolicy.com. So I will hope that you would join me in thanking the Atlantic Council for having us today, for organizing this event, and even more so to thank our three distinguished panelists. Um, best of luck with this trilateral agreement. Thank you all for coming. Give yourselves a round of applause.